Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 127, and we're discussing anime worlds we want to live in. There might be some light spoilers for some of the anime that we talk about in this episode. I was very tempted to title this Anime Worlds We Want to Get Isekai to, because <laughs> it's kind of the same idea. Is it? I mean, I mean, or it would be like, not like an alternate reality. Like that would be, I picture this as it being our reality. True. Yeah. Okay. Not so like, yeah, like we're you're in born this world. into this world. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we're in this world and then suddenly we're transported somewhere else. I kind of took my, my approach to this topic was kind of twofold. It was like that, like if it was just where I lived, but also like if you got isekai like, where would you want to end up? But we'll save that because one of the questions I have uh, at the beginning of this discussion is our approach to this because we did a similar topic a long time ago. I want to say like over a year ago on Strictly Anime where we talked about anime powers that we'd want in real life, which was episode 52 of Strictly Anime. So it was quite a while ago. And I feel like you and I had very different approaches to our picks I'm curious to know if we had different approaches for this topic. I don't think we're going to have overlap with ours. Um, you might find one of my choices interesting, but yeah, I, I'm curious what you're going to pick because you having watched a couple, <laughs> a lot more anime than I have, you have plenty more worlds and universes to choose from. Although I'll say it's kind of difficult going through this list because with the anime that I've watched, I feel like most of them are just alternate realities of Japan or Tokyo, right? Because <laughs> there's slice of life and then even like a lot of shonen that just happen to take place, of course, in Japan because that's where anime comes from. Yeah, I came across that too. Um, but before we get into that, I thought it'd be fun to talk about <laughs> something that I did recently that I do from time to time when uh, we just get really bored and we want to zone out. And that's dive down a rabbit hole of anime OPs and EDs on YouTube. You ever have like those times where you're just scrolling through YouTube or like you have free time, but you just don't know what the fuck you want to do. And then suddenly it dawns on you that you can just throw on a couple of OPs and EDs or you're just like talking about it. And you're like, yeah, I remember that OP. Let's let's play it really quick. I, I want to relive it. And then suddenly you're like wanting to relive a shitload of other OPs and EDs. I feel like that's one of my favorite things to do. It's so underrated. It's just so nice to go through all of those really good songs and watch all of those really great visuals, especially when you're finding or remembering the ones from like, I don't know, years ago. Anime that you haven't seen in a really long time. Yeah, I feel like we do that almost once a year, especially with our Confram friend group. I actually... Now that you mention it, I, I remember I compiled a playlist on YouTube of several different anime OPs. Uh, yeah, OPs. I didn't include any EDs. And I think I had this playing in the background during some confam gathering we had at our place. And it's interesting because, like you said, it's great to be able to listen to all of these classic and iconic hits but visually i think i put the playlist in order of 
the or in chronological order. So it started off with um, Cowboy Bebop ends right now. <laughs> I don't think this is the right order, but it ends with the Hunter Hunter OP. Um, but seeing how anime visuals and uh, animation style has changed over the years is really interesting to see in sequential order. Um, if you're not just jumping to random OPs uh, in your YouTube rabbit hole. Well, the last time you and I did this, it was like, what, 1130 p.m. midnight, and we were just sitting there, and I started putting OPs and EDs on, and that was random order. It was just whatever came to mind that I wanted to relive, whether it was like the Code Geass OP or the Chobits OP or one of the My Hero EDs. I just threw on whatever um and it was i don't know it was like fun it's like you're doing nothing but like reliving that experience from when you watched those shows and it's just kind of relaxing because i i find that sometimes when you and i are listening to your anime playlist on spotify like on a long drive we'll we'll have the full songs at our fingertips but there are some songs that we just want to hear the op size or the they're ED called size. the TV size. TV size. Spotify, <laughs> which know. is basically the first minute and 30 seconds of a lot of these songs. Because you don't want to fully commit to the song. Because maybe like the latter half of the song isn't as good as the first half that they used for the anime. So you just kind of skip once you've completed that OP or ED. So this is even more fun because you get to experience the, the full effect with the visuals there. And you don't have to worry about like skipping at a, a certain point. It just ends and moves to the next one. I'm thinking of some of the OPs that we love to watch on the regular. Um, I, I mentioned Bebop. That's a, that's an instant classic um, just because of its really unique style. Uh, My Hero, There, I think I've mentioned this before, there aren't many distinguishable My Hero OPs besides your favorite one, which is the, the stretching P one. peace sign. Yeah, Kenshi Yonez with the stretching. <laughs> I think that was the... Season two tournament arc? I think so, yeah. What's another good one? Of course, I, I added your boy Kong Ming from 2022, past year. Uh, mm -hmm. Such a banger and like a psychedelic thing to watch um, visually. It's kind of crazy, though, that once you get into that rabbit hole, you could lose yourself in OPs and EDs for hours. Like, I could just keep going all night because it's just so much fun to watch that. It's almost like not re-watching a show, but getting a taste of it without committing to anything long-term. Um, I really, I don't know, I just really find it like relaxing. And we could just put on songs in the background as we're doing stuff, but I like actively watching the OPs and EDs or introducing you to ones that you've never seen before, <laughs> but I really enjoy. And yet you have no context because you're like, I don't know who these characters are. I don't know what's happening. But hopefully you at least appreciate maybe like the music or the visuals. That would kind of be something fun to do is if we were given OPs to shows that we've never watched before and kind of judge them on that and maybe even determine would we watch this show based on that OP. Oh, I like this. Let right? me take a little note here for <laughs> our uh, our podcast schedule. If any of you guys would love to be involved with an episode like that, maybe you could share your favorite OPs and EDs um, and get our reactions on them. Let us know. Because I feel like the OP to a show, it's kind of like it's it's elevator pitch, basically, right? It's it's It floats around a minute, a minute and a half, and... 
I know people say like the OP basically spoils the entire show sometimes, or maybe usually, but I think it's also just a great indicator of the content that you'll see in that given show. To be honest, I think that would work really well on me because there have been times where I see screenshots of an anime or like a 30 second clip from an episode of an anime that I've never watched. I don't have any context around, but something about it is compelling enough where I'm like, shit, I'll put it on my watch list. And then I watch it and I don't know, sometimes I like it. Sometimes it ends up being a waste of time. But if that's all it takes for me to be interested in the show, sometimes I'm sure getting sent OPs and EDs for shows we've never seen would be right up my alley. Sorry, now I'm going down my own rabbit hole because I'm thinking of the YouTube channel Sylvanus. Uh, I think a couple months ago, he released a video called When the Anime Opening Spoils the Whole Show. Oh my God, that was so good. <laughs> like, it's yeah, so it accurate. touches upon all the tropes that you see in an opening. Um, and if you haven't seen it, we will share a link to that video in the Discord but I think that's also just a, a great indicator of, again, the things that you typically see in an opening and, yeah, if that will allow us or deter us from seeing a particular anime just based on what the opening presents. We'll add that as another layer. So it's it's our listeners sending us OPs and EDs of shows that we've never watched before. We have to guess what the hell is going on in the show based on what's shown in the op and ed and then decide if we would want to watch it if you guys are interested in this let us know legit like we would be so happy to do something like this if you guys would love to be a part of it and and send us those ops and eds one last thing though with the last time we went down this rabbit hole was uh your frustration with older ops where they didn't match up the characters moving or walking or running to the beat of the music. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I can't do. remember the the really not like really old school one. Um, but there was one old school one that I played for you, and you were bothered by the fact that they weren't walking in rhythm with the beat of the song. So then I was like, okay, let's find a bunch that does have that. And I think it's uh, I played Fruits Basket. Yeah, I they walked in in beat. I don't fucking remember which season it was, but there was an, a Fruits Basket opening and this is the fruits basket remake that came out recently uh there's an opening where everyone was walking in time with the music and i think it's the song by ampm i don't remember the title of it you know I thought that was the ed was it wasn't the op was it no it's it's my favorite oh it's the only op uh, that i like from fruits basket okay i don't know i thought it was the ed maybe it just had an ed vibe to it yeah but. it was pretty chill it's a very chill op and then we played souvenir by bump of chicken which is the most recent uh, spy family one because there's that part where anya runs to the beat of the music yeah that's my favorite part of that op <laughs> and there were a couple other ones too so hopefully that um that made you feel better watching those things in those ops maybe it was like a, a thing back in the day no one walked um in in time with the music and now they're they're doing that because it's more aesthetically pleasing no i remember the marmalade boy opening <laughs> did they walk in time with the music there, there were certain sections yeah where it was like choreography it was just like walking cycles but they were walking and beat with the music i can't remember which one you showed me where it just severely 
made me discomfort I know. or uncomfortable. I, I can't remember what it was either. If I think of it, I'll uh, I'll remind us. But yeah, you were really upset about that. <laughs> hey, at least you can bank on My Hero Academia EDs having Midoriya run to the time of the music. Yeah. All right, let's jump into anime worlds we'd want to live in. As we were talking about in the beginning of this episode, I want to see what approach we're taking to these picks that we have. Do you want to go first to explain your thought process, or do you want me to go first? Um, well, I think I pretty much outlined it at the beginning. My thought process for these, I know, my thought process for these was just if I were, if I were born into these worlds so not like i'm here currently on earth in 2023 and then i've been isekai to this world like if i was already established in this world or this universe uh would i find it i mean i'm kind of looking at it as an outsider looking in but would i be comfortable living in this world I feel like even though I said I took a twofold approach of the same approach you have, but also the same approach of if you got isekai right now, which anime world would you want to end up in? But I feel like it, I leaned more towards the latter, like if I got isekai, because I take a very practical approach to these types of questions. I'm thinking about like the technology or the powers in the world, or if I'd actually be okay living there, especially if I'm not the main character and nothing out of the ordinary is happening to me. How would I go about my day-to-day? -day? And would my day-to-day -day be fulfilling or worth it? <laughs> and so I think, um, I don't know, I think when I was looking at these, I was like, okay, well, I would then compare it to the current world that I'm living in. And is that technology better or worse? Are the powers worth it, you know, to, to have powers in, in a non-regular world? But then, like, what are the things am I sacrificing? So I have a feeling when I go through these, I'll probably lean more towards, like, the isekai route versus you where you're leaning more towards the Aaron Yeager born in this world route. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of tricky now because I feel like one of my choices, it's going to be more of, like, my amazement at being in this world, which would run counter to what I said earlier. But, yeah, I think I would, I would just approach these as if I were, like, an NPC in a in a video game like how would it, how would i feel as an npc in one of these worlds it's also a broader discussion that we probably need to save for another day about being born in, in one of these anime worlds versus getting isekai to one of these anime worlds because if you're getting isekai unless you got isekai because you died or your world was destroyed there's always that potential thought of well can i get back to my home world and is this new world better than my original world and would i want to stay here if i had the option to go home and then again like looking at it like is what i have is the is the society or the technology or whatever that they have in this new world better or worse than the world that I came from? But uh, we'll we'll try to keep it contained for the purposes of this episode and just talk about, I don't know, whatever thought process we had at the time when we picked these particular anime. So as always, we have not shared our list with each other. Um, Carl, how many are on your list? I only have three. Because <laughs> again, it, a lot of the other ones were just like, uh, like schools that or characters from schools and slice of life or whatever that were based in Tokyo or Japan. Um, so these were three of the more unique ones that I particularly enjoyed. 
I have one, two, three, four, five, six, oh my God. seven, maybe eight, maybe nine. So oh yeah, we'll talk about it. I don't know. Maybe we will have some overlap. Cause I one doubt of, it. <laughs> one of them is similar to what you were mentioning before, but uh, with me having more than you, do you want me to double up for every one that you share? Might as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go first since you have more. Okay. Well, the first world, and these are in no particular order, but the first world on my list that I would want to live in is the world of my hero, Academia. Uh, I had a feeling this was going to be on your list. Um, I was contemplating putting this on mine, but I thought about it and be like, I'm sure it's going to be on yours. <laughs> I think for me with my hero, it does very closely mirror our, our current world or the real world, um, but it has, you know, the the added advantage or the extra layer of quirks. And sure, there's some crazy shit that goes down with the villains and whatnot. And I'm sure you'd have people who use their quirks for, you know, not benefiting the greater good. But there will always be evil in any world. I don't think it's inevitable uh, or I don't think it's ever possible to totally remove evil from any world that you're in. So all of my picks have that degree of consideration. Like, there's might be there might be a little bit of evil here, but the likelihood of me getting involved with that evil or being impacted by that evil is probably pretty low. And in the world of my hero, everyone gets a quirk, or almost everyone gets a quirk, as we know in case with Midoriya. And those quirks don't have to be used for the benefit of society or like becoming a hero and risking your life. You can have a quirk and still be a, re a regular citizen and live your life. So whether you're isekai'd into the world or born into the world of my hero, there's a pretty high percentage that you'll get a quirk that'll make your life kind of unique. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll make your life Hot easier. Hot dog fingers. Hot dog fingers. You know, <laughs> maybe that's not the best quirk to have, but it's something. Um, but if you had something like, I don't know, mind reading or flight, like that'd be cool, right? Yeah, I mean, that would make transport a lot easier. Um, and if I <laughs> if I don't want to become a, a hero, I can just be a regular ass citizen and just live my life and have this quirk that I, I don't know, that hopefully is advantageous to my life. So I feel like my hero is a pretty safe bet when it comes to living in an anime world that has something different than the real world that we live in. I mean, yeah, seeing heroes all over the place would be fascinating. And then getting to witness battles between heroes and villains. Um, obviously, that's not something you would... I mean, in that world, it would be something you'd see every day. In our real world, that's not something you see every day. But then you also have to think about like the, the collateral damage in the cities that you're living in as a result of so much hero and villain activity. Uh, like just hoping that y your neighborhood doesn't get destroyed or get caught in the in the ruckus. Yeah, that that is true. But again, like that's that's the degree of evil that I'm factoring into my decision for all of these. Like none of these worlds are going to be perfect, and the lower likelihood of getting caught up in a hero versus villain battle and having like my property destroyed. It's I think it would still be worth it to get to live in the world of my hero academia and have all these quirks and see how unique how even more unique people can be with their very special abilities and i would love to see all might in person too 
All Might doing his thing. Um, he's he's obviously my favorite superhero or my favorite hero in My Hero Academia. I also like the fact that the different cities or jurisdictions in My Hero are all Star Wars references. Um, so locations like Jakku, um, Naboo, I think was mentioned, or even the, the training grounds. I think one of them was named USJ as like Universal Studios Japan, but it's, it had a different, um, the, the acronym, acronym had a different meaning in that world, but just, I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I wouldn't realize if I was living in that world, unless I was isekai to it, that all the cities are Star Wars references, but it's a nice added feature. I know that's where the isekai thing comes into play, right? Because if you're isekai to this world, you'd be like, holy shit, does Star Wars exist in this universe or in this world? But if you're born into it, you wouldn't have any reference to Star Wars. Next on my list, you might find this one interesting. Or maybe it's on your list. I don't know. We'll see. I'd actually not entirely mind living in the world of Cowboy Bebop. Wow. That was on my list. Really? <laughs> well, I put it as the Shinichiro Watanabe universe because it's actually- Like the original one? Or oh, like the universe because he's because got- Because it's a shared universe between Bebop, yeah. Space Dandy, and Carol and Tuesday. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So like that that entire universe, that entire world- I think it'd be fun. It's lawless for sure, but there's still some sort of structure to society. And when you look at the larger universe, yeah, maybe in Cowboy Bebop, they constantly travel to like crappy looking places. It's not super clean or exciting, but I think there are parts of the universe where things are more like, I don't know, more like put together or <laughs> not as like think, desolate. Yeah, Mars is supposed to represent like the new earth. In yeah, that universe. And there's definitely times in Bebop where they go to places like the casino that Faye visits or whatever or frequents. Like you can tell there does exist more like again put together places. Um but because of the nature of the work that the Bebop crew does, they're often not at those places. They're often like in the more like podunk looking seedy seedy areas there mm -hmm. you go <laughs> and i think getting to live in a world where space travel is commonplace and you can visit other planets like that's pretty cool i personally would be terrified to travel in space but if you if you're born there and it's just a part of like the the world that you're living in or growing up in then i imagine that fear would be less likely yeah this was the first thing that i put on my list is the the universe of bebop or again, the Shinichiro Watanabe universe, because space, to take a line from Star Trek, it's the final frontier. And in Bebop, it's established that it's almost become the Wild West with all of these bounty hunters running amok, trying to snatch up bounties. And again, just the almost lawlessness in the expanse of the universe that yeah makes makes it a kind of dangerous place. But like you said, we, all, we only see one aspect of that in, in Bebop, where I think with Space Dandy and Carol and Tuesday, it kind of opens up that universe to other things that we haven't seen. Where like in Space Dandy, <laughs> it's with Dandy visiting boobies, which is like the space... The restaurant? Yeah, <laughs> the, the space version of Hooters. Or like his adventures 
where he goes into other like planets unknown to discover new species and get them registered that goes into more of the fantastical rather than the, the space western or in Carol and Tuesday where it, it kind of highlights intergalactic society on a more realistic level uh, but one that's more akin to like like music and so I was thinking like if I were to live in this world it would kind of be like if I went to boobies for dinner then I would travel through hyperspace and attend a DJ Ertegun concert or like a Mermaid Sisters show if you, you know that reference from Carol and Tuesday yeah uh, but I think the fascinating thing with the bebop universe is that it's it feels very cyberpunk. It feels also like almost like the Wild Wild West with all of these varied colonies across different planets and different moons. But I feel like it's a semi-realistic expectation of what we would expect intergalactic life to be in the not-too-distant future. Because I don't think we're going to be at a point in time where things are almost like the level of Star Wars in terms of technology. But I can see the... The, the bebop universe being something very possible in the next like 20 to 30 years. Although I think in the bebop canon, earth would have been destroyed last year because of the astral gate. Incident. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, or even participating in the, the bounty hunts. Like if we were that brave, <laughs> I'd be to... okay. I don't know if I want to get <laughs> shot at all the time and risk my life like that, but that'd be cool. I mean, mm-hmm. the thought of it's pretty cool. Yeah, or watch just watching Punch and Judy every night to see who the newest bounty is. <laughs> but yeah, that, that that's our common answer, I guess. I didn't expect you to put the Bebop universe as your own. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll throw it back to you, and then I'll have two more left. Okay, so next on my list is the world of. Pokemon. <laughs> well, there's my other Oh, one. shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now I only have one left. That's okay. Well, with Pokemon, I mean, you don't have to fucking go to school once you turn 10 years old. You get maximum freedom and independence at 10 years old. Like, holy shit. Is that really safe and practical? No. Like, as a 10-year-old, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do, but... Not having to go to school as a 10-year-old, that's the fucking dream. But then how do people get professions? Like, how does Professor Oak become a Pokemon? I mean, maybe he's, yeah, he's at 10 years old. He's out in the field researching about Pokemon. But, like, regular jobs. Maybe he didn't become a Pokemon trainer. Maybe he just chose to be a regular-ass kid, go to school, and learn about, you know, whatever, and become a a professor. Yeah. Okay, let me... me Let me preface this by saying I have not caught up with Pokemon. I haven't been caught up with Pokemon in a really long time. I think I stopped watching after, oh, my God, what was it? Um, The Kanto, what region was, like, the the end of, like, the good era of Pokemon? Well, Kanto region was first. Was it Johto? Was it Johto Johto was, like... Uh, silver and gold version for the games. Well, you know what? Okay, I fell off shortly after they brought in Dawn because Dawn replaced Misty, Misty, right? I almost said Misty. I have no... That's where you lose me because I only know about Ash, Misty, and Brock and then a little bit about like the, the Johto League. 
Okay, well, I'm not entirely sure, but I do remember watching episodes, like a significant amount of episodes of Pokemon when May was present and when Dawn was present. So I don't know who came first, May or Dawn, but whoever came like last, I guess, is where I eventually fell off of the show. So anyway, that's my the, the extent of my Pokemon knowledge. So I'm very um, old school, I guess, when it comes to that show. But either way, I I feel like within my understanding of Pokemon, like when you turn 10 years old, I'm guessing like if there isn't, if you have no desire to become a trainer, then you can become <laughs> you go a to professor. The <laughs> yeah, basically. But getting to catch and train Pokemon kind of feels like having an infinite amount of pets. That's, I think that's, yeah. that's why I'm so excited about it. Like, can you imagine having a hundred corgis? Can you imagine Yampers. having a hundred Rigby's running around? <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be terrible. I mean, even just through this recording, he's been barking at who knows what. Um, but if you if you can just you know take a second and think about having an army of Yampers and just catching all of the Yampers and then letting them all hang out with you, that would be a dream come true, at least in my eyes. And you'd be constantly electrocuted trying to herd them all together. Not if you train them well. Yeah, <laughs> true. Or it'd be like the situation like with Pikachu and Ash at the beginning of the series. Yeah, there you go. Or Charizard when he finally, <laughs> you know, wins Charizard's respect. But yeah, like I, I don't know. I think it'd be so much fun. Um, I, I think the world of Pokemon is pretty low risk. I mean, I'm sure the 10-year-olds maybe die once in a while because they're out in the fucking forest and don't have income or resources or food or water. <laughs> so at some point, I'm sure some of them get in really bad situations. But if you're not one of those 10-year-olds and you thrive in that world and you get to catch a lot of Pokemon, then I don't know. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I remembered... <laughs> When I was putting this list together, um, again, the world of Pokemon is my second uh, anime world choice, is that when I was younger, um, the my school's PTA, the Parent Teacher Association, put together this like yearly art competition. And one of the years, the prompt was, it would be really weird if... And then for that year, I ended up doing a drawing of... Uh, a bunch of Pokemon in real life. Uh, so it, my prompt was it would be really weird if Pokemon were real. And so I think that's kind of what led me to think being in the world of Pokemon, it would be weird, but it would also be awesome for the same points that you mentioned. And, you know, if if we're saving, like, beating gym leaders for the 10-year-olds, I would just love to see Pokemon being incorporated into daily life outside of training them or like once you've trained them to have them work alongside people in society i think the movie uh detective pikachu was a great proof of concept of this because maybe there, there there's some sort of uh labor law that would prohibit this but wouldn't it be cool like you see chancy working at pokemon centers and then i think growlith and arcanine were part of Officer Jenny's police force. And I think it would be cool if, if like, at a construction site, you see, like, Diglets or Dugtrios helping... Or Machamps. Yeah, helping create buildings or carve out infrastructure or, like, Electabuzz is working on 
power lines, <laughs> things like that. Like just seeing that like these Pokemon work alongside regular occupations and just making the world a better place in a way. There definitely is still risk involved with Pokemon. I mean, we see Ash get attacked time and time again by wild Pokemon. But again, there's evil in every world. There's risk in every world. So it just kind of comes with the territory. But I think another aspect of Pokemon that I find interesting and would make life interesting is how highly intelligent most of them are, or almost all of them. I mean, you can basically communicate with the vast majority of Pokemon, even though they don't speak English, but you can communicate with them at a pretty high level of like efficiency versus, you know, Rigby over here lying down on the ground. I could talk to him all day long and he has no clue what I'm saying unless I'm saying words he knows like, let's see if he reacts, like treat or eat or outside. No, he's he's too spent already, <laughs> even though it's only the afternoon. <laughs> I mean, I love him regardless. I, I love him no matter how dumb or intelligent he may be. But that'd be so cool to to communicate on such a proficient level with Pokemon and have like that mutual understanding like that Ash and Pikachu have. That's that's interesting. Like there are people out there who love animals so much that they wish they could communicate with them better and understand like what they need or what they want or if they're hurting in some way, like how we can help them. That would be really cool. And then you can use them to attack other people. I don't know. <laughs> My only question and maybe this has been addressed in the video games or in the series, is how, like, what do you eat in the world of Pokemon? Is everyone a vegetarian? Is that what you're asking? Y yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, well, according to Brock, it's a lot of jelly donuts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to skim through an article right now of, of what <laughs> do humans eat Pokemon? Um, I don't think I have a straight answer. <laughs> uh, although I imagine there's a subsect of the human population that does eat Pokemon. Well, the, this says Moo Moo milk from Miltank is popular among children and adults. Chancy eggs are said to be more nutritious and delicious. Dried slow poke tails are commonly used in Alolan stews. Oh. So they do eat Pokemon. Yeah, because chancy eggs, like the yolk in the egg has to be like an actual being. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I think that that makes sense because we eat animals in this world. Um, yeah. I just think it'd be weird if you can communicate with them at that level and then, and then eat them. <laughs> oh, in, in the show... Um, there was one point where the trio gets stranded, maybe with Team Rocket, and they dream about eating a Magikarp. You remember that? Kinda. And then it shows like the Magikarp like cut up uh, and presented on a dish. Well, I guess in terms of highly intelligent Pokemon, Magikarp's on the lower end there, so <laughs> maybe that one's easier to stomach. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I guess for ethical reasons, we just have to resort to eating jelly donuts in the world of Pokemon. Next anime world on my list is one that I think does come with more risk, but would still be fucking cool to live in. And that's the world of Hunter Hunter. Yeah, I was contemplating this, but then I decided not to because yeah, there's a lot of risk. There's like, a lot of chaos that seems yeah, to happen. Like the but... phantom troop or the spiders. True. But like, again, that, that seems like an isolated incident. 
It's oh, not like all... then there's the bigger threat. Yeah. Which I won't get into, but <laughs> the longest arc of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I think because you don't have to become a hunter, that's like the benefit of living in the world of Hunter Hunter, is you get to have access to the technology that they have and the powers that they have. And there is a huge variety of people and variety of powers in that society, but it is still a structured society. Um, it's, I, I would consider it a decently advanced society, maybe even more advanced than ours in, in some of the technology that they have. Um, but you can just choose to be a regular ass person if you want. Although I feel like you would still have many more benefits and advantages with a, a hunter identification card. Yeah, if you get your hunter license, you don't have to go off and risk your life. If I'm rem- remembering correctly, you can use your hunter license for a huge number of things. Isn't Jing a fucking like? Wait, who's the ar- who? Isn't Jing an archaeologist or some shit? Yeah. Yeah. So like he, I, I don't know. Maybe he's off like risking his life and whatnot. Um, because I'm sure there's there's a lot he has to go through in his travels and in finding that kind of stuff, but. I think you can you can take your hunter card and do a lot of different things with it. It opens a lot of doors. Then it's really it's also really difficult to get a a hunter card because passing the exam or a hunter license, right? Yeah, um, I'm reading a quick statistic here. One out of ten thousand people make it to the main exam. The rate of rookies passing the exam is once every three years. But yeah, if you make pa- it into that percentage, then yeah, you're you're living life golden. Part of like the exam too is pretty brutal. It's yeah, pretty physically taxing. Your life. Yeah, or like fighting other people. Um, but ima- like, think about all of the individuals who take the hunter license exam. There were a lot of different people with unique skills, like someone who just does hacking. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to just rely on physical strength to stand a chance um, in the hunter license exam. And even if you don't get the license, you can still take those skills and do something unique with them. That's true. It's it's kind of a level playing field since it is accepting of people of all sorts of trades or skill sets. Um, it's so I think it's almost like like how Nen has its own different categories, right? It's how you use your skills or your talents, and how that would help you become an effective hunter. I think the best example um, of getting your hunter license uh, or even not getting your hunter license and doing something, you know, not physically taxing is Leorio. He wants mm-hmm. to become a doctor. Yeah. He wants to heal other people. And he's by no means the most skilled individual in Hunter Hunter. And oftentimes he's relying very heavily on Gon and Kilua and Kurapika to excel but he still he still makes it on his own, right? Like he still does his own thing, and I think that shows that anyone can do what best suits them in the world of Hunter Hunter without being the most uh, powerful force out there. What about the aspects of the world like Greed Island or that continent where the most recent, the longest arc of Hunter Hunter took place? I mean, I don't have to go to Greed Island. I probably wouldn't want to go. I don't even think I'd be able to get a copy of Green oh, Island yeah, to get to gain access rare. to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like going back to my hero. Just because you have a quirk doesn't mean you have to become a hero. In the world of Hunter Hunter, just because you have a specific skill or a unique skill doesn't mean you have to become a hunter 
or risk your life. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a structured society, so there's probably plenty of opportunity to do other things. I think if I were to be in the world of Hunter Hunter, I would just go to Heaven's Arena, just watch all of those battles. Oh, you mean like fight in Heaven's Arena? No, no, I was like, what not, the hell? no, not at all. <laughs> I don't think I would be fit to be a hunter or a participant in those battles, but just to go to Heaven's Arena and, and watch. Yeah, you get to, as a regular citizen, you get to reap the benefits that the hunters provide. Like, I don't know, if if they can do something cool and then offer that cool thing to the rest of the people and you get to partake in that, then yeah, why not? If you want to go see people beat the shit out of each other in Heaven's Arena, then go for it. Or you could go to York New City and watch the, the criminal auction or the underground criminal auction that's going on and then find out the stuff that the phantom troop is up to (laughs) next up i have (laughs) one that i'm not actually sure if i'd want to live here or if i'm just very biased because it's one of my favorites that's the world of jojo's bizarre adventure Mm, okay I, i kind of put this as an honorable mention but only a specific place in jojo for me it wouldn't even be a specific place it would be in a specific circumstance which would be having a stand because mm. the, the problem with, with Jodo's Bizarre Adventure is that there is a higher probability that you will not develop a stand than you actually will develop a stand. And if it's it's a world where, unless you're a stand user, you don't even know stands exist most likely. You can't see them. You can't interact with them. They're basically like imaginary. Mm-hmm. So you're taking a gamble by being born in the world of Jodo's Bizarre Adventure because the likelihood of you actually getting to know a Joe star is very, very low unless you just happen to be really lucky. And the likelihood of you developing a stand is also pretty damn low. Well, if you are a stand user, stand users are always attracted to other stand users. So there's that possibility yeah you'd have to be like really lucky get the stand and then somehow be you know attracted to the other stand user who happens to be a joe star and then also not get beat beat to death by them (laughs) well if you're not evil then i'm sure they'd leave you alone well here i have a question like if you were to get a if you survive that 50 50 chance of getting a stand what would you name your stand it depends on what my powers are what my Mm. stand ability is okay (laughs) <laughs> but I don't actually know. I have no clue what I would name my stand. Right. It'd have to be a, a, a song or a band. I'm trying to think like what I would Something name Something Rihanna related. <laughs> Rihanna related. I don't know. <laughs> like work. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And that's basically what my job, what my day to day would be like living in that world. I would just go to work every day. Or Ponda Replay. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine summoning that. I think I would choose Pineapple Kryptonite. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's, that just sounds like a great stand name but thinking more classic billy jean is that already taken in jojo oh i don't know the michael jackson song i mean we're not caught up in the manga so yeah. i know man in, man in the mirror is taken but i would also do the billy jean call that stand out <laughs> the other thing with jojo though it's like if you don't have the stand and you don't know any joe stars you're basically living a very regular life because jojo's bizarre adventure is set in a, presumably our real world just with the added layer of the joe stars dio and stands so that one i i'm like not i wouldn't put super high on my list of worlds that i'd want to live in but just the opportunity to have a stand and to meet a joe star is worth it to be on the list at all well just to kind of put this out there as an honorable mention um i was thinking of putting the world of jojo as one of my universes but then 
I think to make it even smaller, I, I know I've mentioned on Strictly JoJo that this is one of my least favorite parts, but I would actually enjoy living in Moriocho. Not in Florida? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even though it's a, it's a crazy, noisy, bizarre town. But if you think about it, it just has a lot of chill res- residents who just happen to have stands. And, you know, once they get over the fact that, you know, like that, that sort of power complex that builds up with them having a stand, then they just go back to their normal life. And sometimes they use the stand to uh, to their benefit and to the town's benefit. Like with, I always think of the, the chef who has Pearl Jam. Yeah. Like I would love to have a stand if I don't have like a, a power stand, like one that has useful capabilities like cooking or cleaning the toilet or something. <laughs> no, I agree. I think if if I were to choose a particular JoJo part to live in in terms of location and time period, I'd be down for part four. The 90s were great. I mean, whatever. Like, I had a good childhood. I wouldn't mind living in the 90s again. Yeah, and Popping up in a chicken cherry <laughs> cola. <laughs> and, like, part four is pretty chill. People joke about it as, like, the slice of life part of JoJo. So I agree. I think that would be a really good pick. And when it comes to stands, I don't think I'd want like a power stand unless I find good use for it. Because with all of these picks that I have, I'm not looking to get in any fights. I'm not looking to risk my life. I'm not looking to do anything crazy. I just want to live. I want to Yoshikage Kira this shit and live a quiet life in one of these anime worlds. Yeah, that's the best thing about Mario, which is if you're you're not a fucking lunatic, you can live a quiet life. (laughs) All right, I I know I haven't really talked, at least mentioned my choices in this episode because we've we've shared them. So I think the only other world that hasn't been mentioned, but it's an anime world that I would want to live in, even though I know you're going to think this is kind of odd, is the world of Attack on Titan. I don't know why you would ever pick this. You also picked Titan Powers yes. in episode 52 of Strictly Anime where we I talked think- about the powers <laughs> we'd want. I'm like, why? Again, this is just my my mind coming from like a practical standpoint. I don't know, man. There's a lot of risk <laughs> with living in Attack on Titan's world. I mean, yeah, there's there's a condition with having like the main Titan powers in Attack on Titan. Uh, but I guess in terms of living in... The world of Attack on Titan. Um, without trying to go too much into spoilery territory, I think it would just be cool knowing that you're like if we were to, if I were to live in the time period in which Eren, Mikasa, and Armin exist, knowing then that you're right in the thick of it. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah terrifying, but also having that feeling like you're a part of history and unraveling the truth of the world as the truth unfolds. It's kind of like if we were to live during the era of World War II when the world was at its almost like craziest. I don't know, man. I'm not discounting what you're saying to each their own, but I don't know if I'd want (laughs) to live in a world in the middle of war. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) high risk, but also high reward. Uh, in a way, like once you find <laughs> out what the truth is. But I don't know. I think that just something fascinating about living through such a tumultuous but life-changing period, knowing that the world is going to places that you never thought it could. Um, and also just the thrill of 
joining the, the scout regiment and being part of their major expeditions and battles. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, I'm looking at the world of Attack on Titan like a video game. And <laughs> if I were like to create a playable character in that world and then I join the scouts and then I'm able to use the ODM gear, which that would be so fascinating to see if that concept could be brought to life. I think that's what I'm more enamored with. Maybe just this, like, the gung ho spirit of Attack on Titan and being in that world under Let, the command of, like, Aaron Smith. Let's be honest here. You just really want to meet Levi. That's what this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my ultimate goal in this world is to. To, to check with Levi. Uh, but more seriously, it sounds like you just want to witness history and be a part of history. Yes. You know who mm-hmm. else that's like? And the, no spoilers. I'm just going to drop the name. Yelena. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I can I can see how I have similarities to Yelena. But you know what? I would play, I would still play a more active role. <laughs> a different, maybe not an a more active role, because she's uh, pretty, yeah, a, a different role. Yeah, a different coming from a different place. This is really hard yeah, to talk yeah. about without saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just seeing the magnitude of the walls and the titans in person, yes, terrifying. Especially if you're in episode one of Attack on Titan when all the shit goes down. But yeah, imagine seeing something that like sixty meters tall in real life. Like, we we live in Chicago. You can see okay. big buildings. Besides like an inanimate <laughs> object like a skyscraper, like a 60 meter tall humanoid creature. <laughs> no, I, I get it. It is a very <laughs> unique experience. Um, it just comes with far more risk than I'm willing to take. But if mm-hmm. you're willing to take that, all the more power to you. You can report back and let me know what it's like <laughs> to live in AOT. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't want to be a hunter in the world of Hunter Hunter, but I would lay my life down to be a scout in the world of Attack <laughs> Lay your life down for Levi. <laughs> yeah, call me a hypocrite. Well, with that, I have just two more on my list. Um, I'm going to go through this next one kind of quickly. I wanted to add at least one world on my list that is magic-based. And I chose the world of Mushoku Tensei with like the asterisk that says maybe, maybe Mushoku Tensei, because I would love to develop magical abilities. Um, and, you know, it, the way that that world is structured is like you can eventually assume great magical abilities through practice and through learning. And it's pretty commonplace. So it's but- like gaining XP in a video game. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there are very, very uh, close similarities there with the way that world is structured. But the reason I put maybe Mushoku Tensei is that I don't know if I'd want to live in, I don't know if medieval is the correct term for it, but that type of society. Like think mm-hmm. of like the time period game, because you haven't watched Mushoku Tensei. Think of like the time period like Game of Thrones is set in. That's kind of the yeah. same vibe with Mushoku Tensei. So it, this is where the idea of born in this world versus isekai into this world comes into play. Kind of like an agricultural medieval society. Yeah, kind of. Like it's just like there's no advanced technology. And it's funny because Mushoku Tensei is an isekai where a guy gets isekai from our world to the world of Mushoku Tensei. I really appreciate and love advanced technology, the technology that we have today. So if it were an isekai situation 
would the magic abilities be worth it to give up everything that we have in our world here to live in that type of, I don't know, medieval society? I guess I'll just stick with that word. If I were born in that world, obviously I wouldn't have anything to compare to. So I think I'd be pretty chill with it, knowing that I can develop magical abilities and um, powers and whatnot. So I, I think that would be cool or a world like it um, that maybe I haven't been introduced yet because I haven't seen an anime where you're able to just have these magic abilities. I keep thinking Harry Potter. Like you just go to school and you learn this shit. And then you well, have these powers. <laughs> you have to establish first that you are a witch or a wizard, and then you can attend the school. I can't remember if <laughs> Mushoku Tensei has that criteria. Like only a certain segment of the population has the ability to acquire these magical powers. Um, but if it does, then that yeah, that'll definitely be a factor into my decision to live there if I even had a choice. But anyway, I wanted to throw that one on the list so I had a world like that. The last world on my list, you're going to roll your eyes at me because you were talking about this earlier. I put regular Japan from any slice of life because okay. technically those are anime <laughs> worlds because okay. an anime is set there. You know what? I'll also put an asterisk to that because I, I would want to exist in any world that Komi's in. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I know. Just pick your favorite slice of life anime and it's probably just set in like regular ass Japan. Like the world of Toradora. It's it's Japan. And mm. I, like to me, you know, I, there doesn't need to be a perfect society and Japan is is not a perfect society by any means, but I've loved spending time there on our trips. The food is amazing, the convenience mm -hmm. factor is high, the crime rate is low. Japan just has like so much to offer. Um you do have I don't know if you call them downsides or whatever, but you do have the th the considerations of like their society can be very intense at times, especially with work culture. Um, or how resistant they are to change. Once again, no society is perfect. It's kind of like my thought process with um, these other worlds. Like every world's going to have some level of evil that you have to kind of factor in. But if we're talking anime worlds and a huge segment of anime are set in regular ass Japan, I'd say that's a pretty good option. So you don't want to live in a world of slice of life anime. You you just want to live in Japan. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing <laughs> technically. <laughs> so yeah, I could just live in Japan. <laughs> I guess like being a, a Japanese student would be an interesting experience. Yeah, compared to what we've experienced here in the states, um, and yeah, adopting to sort of their cultural and societal norms, especially with you know, like. It, I think in it's established in a lot of slice of life that students have to clean their own classrooms or clean their yeah clean their classrooms at the end of the day or just stuff like that. Like, I don't think American kids <laughs> and in American schools want to do that shit. Yeah, it's just like having the opportunity to like relive your life in a different country and see how different it would be. I don't know. I I just I threw that one on there because. I was looking at my list of anime that I've watched, and I'm like, I love a lot of these shows, but they're just set in in everyday Japan. <laughs> so I think that's that's one I'll I'll add to my list. It'd probably be lower on the list. It'd probably be more exciting to live in the world of Pokemon or the world of My Hero, which still is kind of technically regular as Japan, but with quirks. Um, but I think it's still worth it to have it on there. So would you want a desk in the far back corner of the room? Yeah, that cool kid's corner right next to the windows. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you wouldn't want to be anywhere on the other side as a 
as a, as an NPC. As a, a supporting character. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, in school, I always sought out the back of the classroom. I hated being at the front of the class, so I would be totally fine with that. So for fun, we're going to add in a couple of worlds that we would not want to live in. And I can already tell you, Attack on Titan's on my list. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd because most of my choices are just based on the level of violence. But Attack on Titan is my only exception. Um, that's that's kind of me too. Like I, a lot of the ones that I picked, and I only have like five or whatever. But it's basically any world in the throes of war or that's post-apocalyptic or extremely dangerous for some reason. So like Attack on Titan's one of them for the reasons that we've already talked about. I think about the world of 86. That would be shitty. Mm. Like that would be a horrible place to live. I would not want to be in that world at all. And then you also have, you know, shows like High School of the Dead. That's post-apocalyptic zombie that's, Yeah, shit. that's basically The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> like I, as interesting as The Walking Dead was, as, as good as High School of the Dead was, I would not want to live in that world at all. I think in a similar vein... I know this is kind of this is technically real history, but I would not want to live in the world of Vinland Saga. Ooh, that's a good one. I would not <laughs> want to live in that world either. Holy shit! Like, uh, unless Torfin was by my side, yeah, I would. But like, <laughs> too bloody, too violent. People, you know, it's it's Vikings, and they were just pillaging the shit out of Europe. <laughs> so. Like I wouldn't want to live any any later than like '90s America. Again, because I, you know, maybe it's the nostalgia factor. Like I, you know, what eighties? Yeah, I would anything later than or earlier. Earlier, yeah. I had to think about that one. Anything earlier than the nineteen eighties in America or in most like first world countries, I probably wouldn't want to live there. And Villain Saga is way too far back in time for me. And I guess on kind of the opposite spectrum, like the more modern spectrum. I wouldn't want to live in a world like Chainsaw Man. Or Jujutsu Kaisen. Or, yeah. Because, any hell the, no, seeing curses, that sounds horrible. Yeah, curses, devils, demons, any of that shit. Um, and especially, like, with Chainsaw Man, like, knowing the, the threat of the gun devil and the one incident that he was involved in, <laughs> like, that, that shit's messed up. Like, <laughs> either being part of that or knowing people who were in that. That's that's fucking scary. Yeah. I also put on here the world of Inuyasha. As much what? as I'd love to time travel and meet a half-demon Sunday boy named Inuyasha, I would not want to live in feudal-era Japan, especially if it has demons that are going to kill you or try to kill you every other day. There's just no way. That's an extreme case of going from um, advanced technology to like literally no technology because... Kagome is going from present day Japan to feudal era Japan. Like goodbye cell phone. Oh, okay, I don't think she had a cell phone in the in the show. When was it? <laughs> when is it? When was it written? I have to go back and look. But either way, she didn't have a technology that we have right now. Beepers or pager. <laughs> but basically, like even something as simple as a bicycle is super important and useful in feudal era Japan because they have nothing like that. So that that's an extreme case of like going from this world to something with no technology another world i wouldn't want to live in that is it takes place in modern or semi-modern society now is the world of death note because imagine oh, yeah. imagine not knowing if you could spontaneously die at any second like not knowing 
who is wielding the death note and if that person has a grudge against you yeah <laughs> you'd have to be nice to everybody mm-hmm. or try I, I not mean, to figure out the identity of who has the death note or just not be a criminal <laughs> yeah plus shinigami if you happen to see one that would oh, freak me the fuck out yeah even though like ryuk is the funniest <laughs> scariest the funniest scariest creature i've seen in anime just especially when he has like that apple withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one more that came to mind. The world of bee stars. No. Basically it's you it's be a question an anthropomorphic of anthropomorphic animal. Yeah, do you want to be a furry or not? I mean like it's <laughs> it's set, I guess, in like a a quote unquote like regular society like ours, but it has all of the drama of like predators living among prey. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a furry, but okay, I, I guess think, among yeah, the... <laughs> the animal aspect of yeah, or like being an anthropomorphic animal is kind of that'd be kind of odd. I guess among the the worlds I would not want to live in, B stars is like lower on that list. Like I could, if I needed to live there, I could do it. But do I want to live there? Do I want to be an animal? No, mm. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the last world I have on my list that I would not want to live in. Is the world of Made in Abyss. Oh, that's a good one. Fuck that. Right? <laughs> Going down like each depth or like each layer, like I would not want to subject myself to occur. Even if I was curious about the world, hell, I, I can't even stand having a migraine every day. Like, like having a migraine and then hallucinating and then just blood coming out of my eyes the further down <laughs> I go into the abyss. Like, no thank you. Yeah, and, and plus, even if you choose not to go into the abyss, the area surrounding the abyss is not that much better. Yeah. Plus all the creatures that are trying to attack you. So I agree. Unless you really love mystery and adventure, I don't think the world of Made in Abyss is worth it. Yeah, save it for, for the five-year-olds like, <laughs> like Reg <laughs> and what the hell's the girl's name? Rika, Rika, <laughs> wait, what's her name? See, I don't, I'm not big on Maiden Abyss, so I'm, Rik, no, Reg, oh God, what the, Rico, yeah. Okay, I was like sitting here in silence because I'm like, when you ask me the name of a character, <laughs> unless I like really know them, I suddenly forget because you know I'm terrible with names and titles. Yeah, see, just, let's let them do all the exploring. Um, and I'll live comfortably outside of the abyss. <laughs> well, there you have it. These are the anime worlds we would want to live in, maybe get isekai to, and a few worlds we would not want to live in or get isekai to. Let us know what you guys think, what what you think about our picks, but then what you would pick for worlds that you'd want to live in or not live in. And if you are not a member of our Discord. The link to join is in the description. That's the best place to reach out to us and chat with us. But you can reach out to us on our social media or email us. We're curious to know what everyone picks, especially if it's a world that we haven't been introduced to yet. I'd be interested to see like what makes that world so compelling. Like the world of Naruto or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Or any, the world of One Piece? I don't know. Yeah, any world is better than the current world we're in. So we'll, That's very we'll, millennial we'll of take, you to say. We'll take any recommendations. 
Thank you guys as always for tuning in and supporting us. We appreciate you and hopefully you enjoyed this discussion. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to tell us all about the anime worlds that you would want to live in. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series and tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.